my message today, I'm going, to re, I'm going to lean more on, now it's a message I've had in my mind for weeks, but I'm going to lean more on reading than I typically would. I hope you're okay with that, because uh, I'm not sure I can keep my thoughts together. So if you'll allow that, what I'd like to do is return to Romans chapter 1. We're still in our introductory uh, phase of studying Romans chapter 1. And um, I would like to turn to verse 1. You've heard it before. We just haven't plumbed the depths of what is here yet. And that's why we keep returning to it. Romans chapter 1, we read this. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ." Verse 2 is where I want to focus on today. We have already touched on the fact that Paul was separated to the gospel and that that was a life-changing event for him. And I took you to Philippians chapter 3 to see that. In fact, there are other ways we could tackle this, see the same kind of thing, is to see how there are different spots in Paul's epistles where he describes his work in the gospel. And I took you to there once to see that it was a life-changing event for Paul. And he describes that life-changing event in, in Philippians chapter 3. Radically changed him. What I'd like us to notice today is in verse 2, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What I'd like us to know today, and for many of us this will be very elementary. I get that. I'm concerned about those of us who have not really thought this through, and maybe you've never heard it put this way, or it just hasn't registered in, that we understand that this gospel that Paul is talking about, that this gospel is like nothing else that is known to mankind. That this gospel is something that God was revealing through the centuries. Now, you've, if you've been with me for years, you know I deal this way all the time because it's important we understand there's a context, a historical context to these scriptures that we are reading. And as he says, he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He has been promising the, the fulfillment of this gospel throughout the entire Old Testament. And Paul is saying now it is being fulfilled in front of us. He revealed it. Here's, here's the point I want to make today. God revealed the gospel through the centuries. It's not at one point all of a sudden, here man's going along in history and man's just doing what man does. And then all of a sudden, one shaft of light came down to reveal the gospel. And now man has to respond to everything that is there. No, God has been making it known what he is doing and planning for and anticipating and promising a coming Redeemer. And then the Redeemer in the fullness of time came. And that, of course, is the person of Jesus Christ. So here's what we need to take away from here today without question. <clears throat> First, the gospel 
is not the philosophy of any one man. It is simply not. It is the revelation of God. We get confronted from time to time with philosophies. Right now, there's a philosophy that we're hearing a lot about in the news. It's called critical race theory. If you step that back just one level, what you will find is it's Marxism. It is based upon Marx's approach to uh, how men work with this, this, uh, the powerful oppressing the weak and the, uh, the wealthy oppressing the poor. All it's been shifted to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it's been shifted to race now rather than the, the rich and the poor. It's been shifted to the question of race. We don't need a critical race theory in our world. The Bible tells us what the problem is. What we have is a broken race that, that needs a theory about it. And the Bible says what that is. It's called sin. That's the problem. And it is not a question of black against white, as we are going to be told, as we're going to have foisted upon us. It isn't about that. It's about every one of us who are all of one race, the race of Adam. And we're all broken. We're all under this umbrella of sin. And Romans will tell us that. Romans will make that very clear. But my point simply is, don't think of the gospel as the philosophy of any one man, like we have those who will follow particular individuals. It's not the distilled wisdom of man's collective experience through the centuries that we've come to learn these are good things and important things. It's not that. Mankind would never on his own come up with the gospel that God is revealing for us in the book of Romans and through the Apostle Paul. Man would never consider this. He would go about things entirely different. And you know that because all of the systems man has put together are an absolute contradiction to the gospel. This is the express revelation of God as given through the prophets over the time that has been developing. So as you're reading your Old Testament, as you're reading what was taking place in all that historical account, you are reading God's revelation through the centuries as it was moving forward to the fulfillment of Christ's coming. So always keep that in mind, please. And I want to dispel, because I know for some of, some of the younger people who are here, you may very well hear things at times like, oh, the Bible is just another book. It's just written by men. It's it, all these things that just kind of pass it off. Those are not true statements. People who are making a statement, the Bible is just another book. It's just written by men. You're, you can just say in your mind, when you hear somebody say that, say, you don't know what you're talking about. Because that's just not true. God has revealed his gospel through the centuries. And we, of course, have the privilege of looking back at its almost complete fulfillment. It's not completely fulfilled because we're not into the end times that where they are, we, we know there's more that's going to happen. But our understanding of what Christ has done is, is clear that he died in our place. So if I could, just let me remind you, because I touch on this all the time. You might guess that, yeah, it's important. I think you ought to know this. Um, it, it is as the express revelation of God through the prophets. Let's just hit a couple of highlights, which you have heard from me before. 
That's all I got to give you right now, folks. Genesis 3.15, that's when it was first promised, right? That there would be the one who would come and the seed of the woman who would bruise the serpent's head or crush the serpent's head while his heel would be bruised. He would do conflict with the serpent. He was promised in the garden. That was the first promise of Christ's coming, Genesis 3.15. It's there. You can read that for yourself. Genesis 12, chapter 1, a huge, or chapter 12, verse 1, huge point in our understanding of Scripture. Because God calls out one man by the name of Abram, and he is going to continue to reveal this gospel through him. He's going to continue to reveal his promises and fulfill what he's going to do through Abraham and his descendants. And then you can follow that along. And you have, if whether you've paid attention to it or not, that's exactly what you've been reading in your Bibles. Another very critical place, and I point, on, I point to this one, because he said in verse, Paul said in verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, we have revealed to us that David is going to be the king through whom the ultimate Messiah king comes. And it is promised to David that he would not lack for a son to sit upon God's throne in Jerusalem. That is a magnificent promise. Because now it is narrowed down from all the people who lived in all of time. It has narrowed down that the Messiah must be a descendant of David. And of course, as we have celebrated it so often, as we come to the Christmas account, we always talk about what they went to where. They went to the city of uh, Bethlehem because they, they were what? Of the house and lineage of David. That mattered. See, my friends, God has been revealing that all along. And we can follow it. So I'm saying it is, there's nothing natural about this. It is God revealing his, his gospel through the centuries to us. Now, if I could, I'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. This is the last time we'll do this. We could do this about three or four more times over, but I won't do, continue to do this with you. But I would like you to see... How when Paul says, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, I would like you to see how he has revealed in Paul's day. We're reading a letter by the Apostle Paul. And we need to understand a little bit of what part he plays in this historical development. Because God called Paul out from the life he was living, out of his Phariseeism, and he called him into the ministry of the gospel, for which he will ultimately die. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul explains this for us. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by, catch this word, by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have written briefly already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, 
which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Did you get that, friends? I'm trying to get you to, to feel the time element involved. Paul said, I sit here in this time and place in history, and it has been my privilege that God has revealed to me this mystery, something which had not been known before, which explains the fullness of what he has done and is doing in the person of Jesus Christ. He took me out of my lifestyle and he gave me this revelation, this understanding, this clarity that I might preach it to the Gentiles. It says, which in other ages, verse 5, not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So up until now, from the time that God had called Abraham and he was working out his gospel, he was working out this revelation of redemption, there were always these two groups. There was the group of Abraham and his descendants and everybody else who were known as Gentiles. And what Paul is saying now has been revealed to him, this completed work, promise that would come through Abraham, would come through David. What he's saying now is, now that he has come, Christ has come, he has completed that work, he's bringing these two back together as one. That had not been understood. That had not been known. That's the magnificence of what Christ has accomplished. That's the, accomplished. That's the new mystery that has been revealed. He says of verse 7, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. So Paul identifies himself as standing in this place in history and having been given this responsibility by God to make Christ known to the Gentiles and to make this this inclusive work now. To me, I'm going to keep moving in verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see, all see, what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, all things through Jesus Christ. Do you catch that? This had been hidden. It is now revealed to the Apostle Paul, because it was now time for it to be revealed. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. <coughs> Excuse me, please. Um, and, and you can see there that right now, oh, thank you, Derek, you're awesome, buddy. You can see... There's two things, that now was time for the revelation to happen and God is revealing to the angels in heaven something of himself in this process. This is all unfolding in his perfect time according to his perfect plan which he accomplished in Jesus Christ in whom, verse 12, we have boldness and access, access with confidence through faith in him. He says, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. We say, I'm ministering to you that you will grasp this new revelation. 
as to how God is bringing Jew and Gentile together, as he has always been planning and promising, but it's been fulfilled. So are you getting that sense as to Paul stands in this particular juncture on time, and he receives this revelation at this particular juncture in time? <clears throat> That's what I'm trying to communicate to you, and that'll matter next week even a little bit. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, through, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul has clarified for them, I've been given this revelation to pass on to you, that you get hold of it. Now is the time that we understand this. And he's saying, this will have an impact upon our lives if we get it, if we understand it. He says, this is what I want you to understand because this will change your lives as well. His life certainly was changed by it. <clears throat> but he's saying to his readers, but it will change your lives as well if you get this reality that God has revealed something new which for all those centuries was not known in Jesus Christ is now being made known. Jew and Gentile alike being brought into the body of Christ, a bond of peace being made between them. And he said, it'll change your life, people. And friends, this is why we need to grasp this that we understand when we're reading our Bibles, we are not just reading another story. We're not reading somebody's philosophy. We are not just reading something that might be kind of historically interesting. We are reading what God has revealed He has accomplished through His gospel, which He has been working out and continues to work out through the centuries. There is nothing else like it. And then he makes this final statement, and I'll be done with this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, <clears throat> according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And to this day, friends, this holds true, that God continues to be doing an exceeding, abundantly good work through the church. He is continuing to redeem. He is continuing to transform. He is continuing to reveal Himself. He is continuing to do works of grace within the church. And that's why, friends, we can embrace what this is all about. Because God continues to do His good work. That's our hope. That's why as we receive a text from Edie, and it says, or about Edie, and it says she's failing fast. But her spirits are good and God is present with her. Why is that? Because God is at work in Edie right now. Because God is preparing her with peace and grace for a home going that she knows is evident. I have heard that story told time and time and time again. We went through that a year ago with my sister-in-law at the outset of the COVID when she had her own, her own brain cancer. And she, giving God glory, God is in this. It's all good. It's good. Why? Because he is continuing to work among his people. 
And He is redeeming us. And He is caring for us. And He is giving a hope. And we can continue to trust Him each day with our lives. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your goodness to us. Thank You, Father, that Your Gospel, it is the only hope available to mankind. Lord, we may get caught up in trying to find hope in so many other things. And so much of, of, of what man's wisdom would provide for us. But Father, there is only one source of real hope for those of us in a broken world. And that is what Jesus Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And I pray, Father, that each one of us might embrace that hope today. Cling to it regardless of what it is we're struggling with, Lord. And know that ultimately you are doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what we're asking or thinking. And may we find peace and joy in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.